Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Alan Alda, and this is Clear and Vivid, conversations about connecting and communicating. Do you noodle? Do you noodle on yeah. the piano or the guitar or what? Yes. So if it's a guitar thing and I feel like a sort of ballady thing, then I'll play mm-hmm. some oobly chords. What are oobly chords? Oobly chords. You know, sweet, juicy. Where does that word come from? I don't know. Okay, there's a piano here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about oobly. You know, it might be like oh, a... Oh, good. Now, this is an oobly. Oobly-ish. So, like a... Or this kind of thing. That, of course, is the great Paul McCartney. And during the next hour or so, he's going to not only talk to me about his amazing career... But he's also going to show me how he writes a song, even on the slightly out-of-tune piano that was a few feet away in our studio. From the moment he came into our studio, after being smuggled in on the freight elevator, because he's so famous, he was warm and engaging. And luckily, the recording started even before we realized it, while we were still settling into our chairs. That's that's the kind of thing I'm going to do during the interview. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm always working on my voice. What do you do? Um, You know, it's it's a long story. I never used to do anything. And I was asked by Bette Midler, what do you do with your voice? I said, I don't do anything. She she hated me for that. But um, recently I started to do some exercises, you know, just singing exercises, um, but not a lot. But, you know, it's like, should I do it or shouldn't I? I've never done it, so that stood me in good stead. Yeah, so, you did but, fine without you know, it. But yeah. did you find that the more you did it, the the better your your availability to oh, your voice became? Yeah, or I, what? Don't, I don't know, you know. I, I felt like I was definitely exercising my vocal cords, so that was good. But the minute I got on stage, I don't know if it made that much difference. So I kind of eased off and just was on stage doing concerts and things. Yeah. And I, I found that was okay. But I, it was very easy. And I listened to old records and think, God, <laughs> it just sounds so easy and right. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. It's like, God, they, they were good. <laughs> Those boys could play. Do you do you have a we're in this. We're 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 recording, right? Oh, good. Okay. Do you um do you have moments where you 
hear a lyric and you say, where did that come from? That's, that's one of my own lyrics, you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I'm singing them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because, you know, it's this, I love this thing about singing. You'd think as you watch a singer, well, he's just singing the song and remembering the words and doing it. But you, you're doing millions of other things. Probably the same with acting. You're thinking, you know, what am I going to eat tonight? Uh, yes. And you right. sort of stop thinking that. Right. Concentrate. <laughs> or, you know, it's it, a lyric. It's an awful experience to be on the stage in front of a thousand or two thousand people. Yeah. And you suddenly realize you're talking to this woman next to you, mm. but you're thinking about your laundry. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's a terrible That's what shock. I mean. And, well, how the human brain can do that. Yeah. It's pretty it? amazing. Yeah. You know, you can think of loads of things. You know, once when, this is interesting. Once when I was a young actor out of work and trying mm. to make a living somehow, mm -hmm. I uh, was hired by a, a, a unit of psychiatrists at a local hospital for a study they were doing, and mm. it involved having me hypnotized. Mm -hmm. And in the process of hypnotizing me, he said, now you're going to hear a lot of noises from the street and sounds of the plumbing and that kind of thing. Mm. Don't try to block them out. Just let them in. Mm. Let everything in because the whole hypnotic trance is your ability to concentrate. So you're doing it. And don't don't spend effort and energy blocking things out. Mm. And it's interesting. I find when I'm acting, I wonder if this is true for you, I find, that in a way, there's a reason why something comes to the surface for the mm. moment that I'm in, in my acting and possibly you in the song. Mm. Stuff comes up, the back of the head is doing yeah. things that you don't expect. That's what I mean. And there can be a few things going on at once. Yeah. Because, I mean, I do a thing in my show that people hold up signs. So I say... It's really nice. You know, people bring these signs. Hey, Paul, I was, you know, da-da-da-da. I say, but your brain says, don't read the signs. <laughs> you know, you just stop. You know, just sing the song. But, of course, you do. You start reading them. You're singing a song. You remember the words. You remember the tune. You remember what you're playing. And you're reading these signs. And then at the same time, you can be thinking uh, memories that the lyric brings back yeah yeah that, that's that's that, that's an interesting moment so does yeah. it give it a flavor in that moment that you didn't expect yeah. you hadn't done before maybe absolutely you know I'm, I'm constantly marveling at what's going on in here in this yeah. head yeah you know because it seems to be multitasking most of the time um you know i'll sing a song like eleanor rigby and i'm remembering the words but as i'm remembering them i'm I'm admiring them," mm. he said modestly. <laughs> but you know, I'm, it was, that was me well, that's when I, was... I started asking you. I mean, there yeah. are, there are these moments when you write something, yeah. I don't, and for me, I don't know if it's true for you. Mm. I've heard other people say this. It's almost like you're an antenna, and yeah. you're picking something up from who knows where, mm -hmm. and you think that's really nice. I I don't I don't know if I can say I did it yeah. somehow. Exactly. Yeah, people say, you know, you write songs. My dad was the best because he did uh, write a song when he was a kid. He, was a, a, he had a little jazz band. So he wrote a song in, in the vein of the 1920s, which was when he was playing, when he was, a, he was 20 himself. 
Um, and I, I love this song, and I ended up recording it in an instrumental with uh, Chet Atkins and Floyd Kramer. So it's a good little version, you know. And it was called Walking in the Park with Eloise. <laughs> and uh, so it's just a little melody. So I said to him, I rang him, Dad, I said, I was excited. I said, we've recorded your song. He said, oh. I said, that song you wrote. He said, I didn't write any songs, son. I said, what do you mean? He said, I made it up. He wouldn't accept right, because that implied, you know, something much more important. So, but it is true, you, 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 sometimes you do just have this um, muse that can just come, and you are just the conduit. I mean, my best example of that, it's a story I've told before, but you can always edit it. No, I want to hear it. I want to hear you tell it. Okay. Whatever it is. It was... Uh, I woke up uh, one morning. I love this story. <laughs> you love it already? <laughs> no, I know this story. This is great. Oh, you know it? I love, I, but I don't know everything you're going to say about it. Well, Go ahead. Uh, I woke, woke up, up one morning. I, I, and I heard a tune that I'd just been dreaming. Um, so I, I was, what is this tune? I love that tune. I love it. It must be something from my dad's era. So I spent the next couple of weeks asking people, our producer, George Martin, said, George, watch this. He said, I don't know. I asked John. I said, John, what's this? Where have I, where have I got this from? He said, I don't know. In the end, after a couple of weeks, he said, it must be yours. <laughs> so it was, and that was yesterday. And it's been recorded something like 3,000 times. Wow. And I always wonder whether that magic that brought it to me conveyed itself to the people who covered it. It's a, and it's such, you an, know, it's such it's, an exquisite, haunting melody. It's, but, but imagine that. And I'm like my dad. I didn't even make it up. <laughs> <laughs> certainly didn't write it. Didn't even make it up. It was, it, how, it was, was the whole thing was there. Yeah. The whole, the whole, just the song, just the melody. Yeah. And then I had to get words to it. So to remember it, you often block in words. Like a dummy lyric. Like a dummy lyric. So I had scrambled eggs. <laughs> oh, my baby, I love your legs. <laughs> Which, you know, helped me. To... <laughs> you know, did you ever hear the story about T for Two? I don't know. The two guys who wrote it. I heard one of them interviewed on the radio. And uh, he said that they wrote the tune together in about 10 minutes. Mm. And just so that they'd mark it, they put a dummy lyric in, mm -hmm. uh, T for two, two for T, me for you, you for me. <laughs> and about a week later, they said, you know what? We got it. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole song took maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. I love it. But love that's it. maybe part of the... the uh, the thing we're talking about, where it's coming up by itself. Mm. Well, I don't know. What What do you find? Sometimes things that are that you struggle over turn out to be really good, and sometimes things you don't have to struggle over much at all turn out to be good. Is there a correlation yeah. between the struggle and the goodness? Well, I I like to think it's a bit of both, mm. as you said. Sometimes you can struggle and think, God, I'm having a terrible time with this. This is going to be bad. Mm. Oh, this is terrible, terrible, terrible. Then when you finish it, you think, oh, this is okay. 
It's not bad. Um, the nicest ones are when it just comes to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just go, where am I getting this from? <laughs> and it suddenly is there. And you've got the words and you've got the whole thing. Um, those are very nice. And they're often good ones. Because if it came easy to you, it kind of translates easy to the listener. <clears throat> Here's something we'll cut out, right? <laughs> <clears throat> I'll do a few then. <laughs> <laughs> I got to learn that. <laughs> Oh, I'm in the wrong key. Richardson. I got to get in the right key. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ralph Richardson, the British actor, I once worked a bit with him, and he had a few of those. I worked with an actor who, before every shot, would go, ma, ma, and it kind of rattled my brain, but now I realize it's very helpful. Yeah, exactly. So how do this is one of those stupid questions that I bet they ask composers all the time. Do you, it's not the one, do you write the words first or the music first? That, mm. that I'm not interested in. Mm. But what I am interested in is how you get to the melody when you're not dreaming. Do you noodle? Do you noodle on yeah. the piano or the guitar or what? Yes. Or I, do, you, or do I, you hum it? No, I noodle. Uh, yeah. Um, I like to have a couple of chords beneath my fingers, and then st start noodling, see what these chords suggest. That's nearly always the method. I've done it once or twice, or just like yesterday, I just heard the tune and didn't know what the chords were. But mainly I'll sit down with a guitar or a piano and just start playing some, get in a mood that I'm, I feel like. So if it's a guitar thing and I feel like a sort of, Ballady thing, then I'll play mm -hmm. some oobly chords. What are oobly chords? Oobly chords, uh, you know, sweet and juicy. Where does that word come from? I don't know. <laughs> I never heard of oobly, it. Oobly, oobly do. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds, once you know what it is, though, it's obvious. <laughs> then you said it has meaning. <laughs> obvious. Um, so, so. You know, some sort of slightly sort of sexy chords or sophisticated chords. Um, that can sometimes give you a new idea. Yeah. Or if you want a rock and roll thing, then you stick to kind of very basic chords and just try and get a rhythm and a mood uh. and then just try and pull in something over the top of that. But uh, for me, I actually did have a conversation with Stephen Sondheim. Uh. Uh, I rang him up uh, and said, uh, hey, Stephen, it would be okay if I came to meet you? Mm. I'm in New York. I'm going to be in New York. And his main thing, he said, what's it about? So I think he was a bit frightened, you know. I was going to ask him something terrible, you know. Will you work with me and do this, you know? So I said, it's not about anything. Just one of my kids was in a production of Sweeney Todd and loves you. And, you know, I do too. So I just thought, it'd be nice to meet you. So we had a great conversation. Uh, we're going to meet for a few minutes and ended up three hours or something it was great but it was composer to composer you know well, mm -hmm. what do you do with that oh what do i do and i remember him being a little bit surprised when i was saying that chords i start oh. with chords because huh. why does he start with? i don't know and maybe it's more <clears throat> i don't know uh maybe it's i, I didn't ask him that <laughs> i didn't get around to that so uh Stephen, if you're listening, please write to me. Um, no, I, 
I thought, well, everyone starts with chords. It's what you do. But apparently not with his him. It might be a melody, and then he puts a harmony to it. Yeah, a little more classical uh, way you of do, writing. Do, do the chords? Do you find the melody as chords progress? Yeah. Then then you find yeah. Okay, there's a piano here. Yeah, and your wire they I tell can, me I reaches. I can swing around here. I'm sure. So uh, yeah, we're talking about oubli. You know, it might be like oh, a. Oh good. Main, now this is an oubli. Oubli ish. So like a... Or this kind of thing. But it's that to the major seventh. So that kind of is going to lead me into... That world. Whereas... Did you find something emerging there? No. <laughs> well, I mean, if I I would have to spend longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to, you know, decide which of those chords, <clears throat> which of those chords I liked, and then put them in a bit better order than that. That's right, just me right. knocking it up. But um, yeah, so I will just sit down and spend a little bit of time with that and see if any words come. And sometimes I'll just block it out. Dummy, dummy lyric. Mm -hmm. um, just see if it suggests anything. So if it's like, uh, if these were the, these are the chords I did, it might be wasima ba ba ba, wasima pi dap, wasima pi dap. So we go wasima pi dap pi dap. So wasima, wasima with you girl, or whatever wasima. <laughs> I'll try and keep that. What's it up? What's it going on? Uh, whatever. So, so the, and words start to come out on yeah. their own. And then you make a little bit more sense of it. You know, what's right. the matter with you, girl? You broke my heart. Or whatever. You know, you follow the trail then. And then you, once you've found the, the musical trail uh -huh. through a combination of finding the musical trail and the word trail, mm. you're liable to change the words completely as you did in yesterday. Yeah, it could do. Uh, I tend not to do that. Now, because yesterday arrived... So what arrived, you find, you follow, and and you go with it and keep it. Yeah, unless I get to hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what I'll do is I'll get a first verse, a second verse, and so on, and, so on, and just try and work it out. Like it's a crossword puzzle. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just something yeah. I've got to work out. And then <clears throat> I may switch the first verse with the second verse because uh -huh. that's a better opening. Yeah. But then I can apply a little bit of a logic to it. Um, and occasionally I may look and go, oh, I don't like that line. And I may say, what's a better way to say that? When is meaning coming in? When do you sense the theme of the thing? Um, pretty early on, really, from the first line, I think. Uh, but what often happens is you'll do that first line, it'll develop into a verse, and so you've you've got roughly what's going on. What's the matter with you, girl? You know, you broke my heart. I we never want to part. You know, it could be a bit better than that. <laughs> and then you get... I, think, I don't know. I think you got something. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> and then, uh, then you do the second verse, 
and it might be, but I've been wondering what you do. I've been, you've been, you know, I've been, I never sleep at night or something, some <laughs> yeah, yeah. variation on this. And then you might get to the best bit, like the chorus might then actually be better ah. than those. So it may be, because you say sleepless, 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 it might become sleepless. I'm so dirty, sleepless. And that might become the, the big theme. Yes, yeah. You, so then, you're led there by your unconscious anyway. Yeah. We're taking a quick break now, and when we come back, Paul talks about how he and John Lennon wrote their first songs together. He cheerfully admits that they didn't really understand what they were doing, that they just made it up. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This is Clear and Vivid, and now back to my conversation with Paul McCartney. How much attention do you pay to form? For instance, when I was a kid, the typical form was eight bars, eight bars, same eight bars again, then mm -hmm. a break for eight bars, a mm -hmm. bridge, and then the original eight bars again. Yeah. And I tried to write songs on that form. Mm. Do you... Do it's kind of like that, yeah. Do you do, you do that A-A-B-A -A -A much yeah. or yeah. all the time? Because yeah, um, sometimes you seem to take a break that goes somewhere else yes, too. Yes, you do that a lot. That's the sort of natural way to do it. Because you've got to remember, we didn't, we didn't really learn music in, in the Beatles. So John and I, neither of us could read or write music. Yeah. Um, same with George and Ringo. So I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, who's in the band ELO, Jeff Lynn, and he's from Birmingham. He says, well, we just made it up, didn't we? It's a bit like my dad. We just made it up. And that's exactly what we did. So uh, so in writing songs, we looked at what everyone else did, yeah. which was A-A-P-A-A, -A -A, maybe something else, maybe a little riff or something. And that's how we wrote them. But then as you got on a bit, you started to try and um, sort of, do something different as you got in the middle of the song, say maybe mm. you wanted to just... Or what Beatles used to do was at the end of the song, we just go somewhere else mm. for a laugh. Mm. You know, that's it. You've heard the song and then my <laughs> baby comes, yeah. You know, just goes off somewhere else. Oh, this is good. So you didn't study music, you invented music. <laughs> <laughs> we made it up, Ellen. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I think it was a blessing, although 
kids listening to this, you know, keep learning. You know, if you're if you're already on the sort of trail of learning music, so that's a great thing. But for us, um, it was interesting because you, you don't see anything on a page. There's no dots. Yeah. You're not looking at that. Yeah. So you're thinking it. It's, so I think it kind of comes a bit more from your heart. Hmm. I know if I'm trying to record a song and I'm just reading the lyrics, it's not as good as if I put them aside and go, okay, come on, you can remember that, and then sing them. Mm. Um, so I think that directness was quite a good thing for us, that uh, we didn't actually understand how to do things, but everything, therefore, was exciting. Yeah, we'd, yeah. We'd do something. And uh, there's a song we did with the Beatles, She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. And the end is, She Loves You, Yeah, 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 Yeah. And there's a big chord. And it's actually a sixth chord. Oh. Huh? So, yeah, um, you did on a sixth. Yeah, we did a sixth. Now, we didn't know it was a sixth. <laughs> we just thought it sounded great. <laughs> and George Martin, our producer, said, no, no, you can't do that. He said, that's a sixth. <laughs> we went, oh, yeah. He said, it's really corny. Corny, you know, it's like, yeah. And we said, well, we like it. So we kept it, you know. So those kind of things where you, it was a, it was a great voyage of discovery because you were learning all these little things as you went along and you were keeping yourself excited. Yeah, that's which so I important. Think very and, important. And that led to you doing so many different kinds of things. Yeah. I heard you say once that no two Beatles songs are alike. That's right. And you, in your own personal music, you've gone such a, a so far afield in so many ways yeah. the Liverpool Oratorio mm -hmm. which I think is beautiful oh thank you and and uh, and you like to collaborate apparently you collaborated with Carl Davis on that the, yes and you, how many well, songs did you write with John with John I understand it's just short of 300 and do you know how many songs you've written by yourself or with other collaborators no I haven't counted that. The yeah. first bit is a matter of record. Yeah. The next bit is still in progress. What were you going to say? I cut you off. What were you going to say about Carl? Um, the the thing about that project, the Liverpool Oratorio, was uh, I was asked through Carl by the Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra if I would write something for a big anniversary. I think it was 100, 150 years or something. So I immediately said, yeah. <laughs> and then I was talking to someone in a pub, who's an Irish actor, and he said, you're going to do this? What, do you, what the hell have you bitten off? <laughs> I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, that's, that's pretty, that's a big job. I go, oh, yeah. And it sort of occurs to me, you know, oh, yeah, all right, well, I better, I better work this out. But uh, Carl was a great help. He was... Um, and it was great fun. I would just go to his house, and he's the pianist and the notator of all the – he put all the notes down and everything. And he said, okay, how are we going to start? Liverpool Oratorio. And he says, okay, it's McCartney. C major. You know, let it be. Uh, yeah. I go, no, 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 no. No, uh, it's got to start in wartime. I was born during the war, so... So you first start of, with a seventh. So, <laughs> no, it was, it was more like, uh, more like sort of a... 
It was sort of weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, he goes, oh, 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 wait a minute. You're turning me on. You're turning me on. Stop, stop. <laughs> and he'd write that down. It was better than that, by the way. But um, then I said, okay, great. So let's evoke this war thing. And I had pictures in my mind of all those planes yeah. crossing in the night sky and yeah. dropping the bombs because they dropped a lot on Liverpool. Um, so I, that's, that's how we did that. And then we just went through. It's good. Okay, now C major. Now we can get into something yeah. a bit more. But it was good. He did just you know you were going to follow the pattern of war, family, mm. friends? It was sort of, yeah, it was sort and of made with peace. A child is born yeah. in the war. Yeah. And then child grows up. And then it stopped being autobiographical because then we just got into a play and we just invented a character called Shanty, who was sort of Liverpool, naval, seaman kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And then we invented a girlfriend for him and then we invented a whole drama. Your, your ability in, in your music to relate to character mm. is extraordinary, I think. I mean, one of the... One of the favorite pieces of music that I've ever heard is Leaving Home. She's Leaving Home. Oh, yeah. Because you take a family. What interests me almost the most about, aside from the incredibly gorgeous tune, is th these parents can be faulted for the way they didn't communicate well with the kid. Mm -hmm. And the kid can be faulted a little bit, too. Mm. But you see their suffering from both sides. You mm. you you empathize with both sides. Yeah. How did you? How did you? At your young age, how were you able to do that? That's interesting. That at your young age, because I often think that wow, you know, writing like an old man. But uh, I think the thing is, I can relate to both sides. Um, at that point, I didn't have children, but you know, I knew how parents and children sometimes were so and i knew that the girl that we were it was actually started um by a newspaper article so that's um, that's sometimes an interesting genesis mm. you just read in a newspaper and it's uh so-and-so young girl's gone missing her parents said we gave her everything mm. and you know she's gone so you start imagining you know, if she's gone willingly, yeah. then what know, was that? What what was going on? Even though, and you yeah. hint at it. That's what's yeah. so great. You don't give the barbaric details no. of the problem between them. Mm. You 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 the, the the listener can imagine what yeah. was going on, which is more powerful than telling them. I, yeah, I like that. Where you leave things unsaid. Um, and so she creeps out, and then they discover she's gone. Um, and he's saying, Mommy, you know, the, the father's talking to her. Mommy, our baby's gone. Yeah, oh, it kills me. I those little it. things, uh, yeah. you, they just come to you, and you just think, yeah, that's that's what he'd say. And you then, I suppose, then you think, they probably babied her too much. <laughs> yeah. you know, cause it's just, I hadn't thought of that. It's just these things lead on, you know. And then she goes, I don't know, presumably to London or somewhere and meets a man from the motor trade. Yes. Oh, God. 
That's a killer. <laughs> she sounds like she got into the wrong kettle I, of fish. I there. think so. I think so, yeah. But so, I, I do love that. Um, I always loved the idea of characters. And it's funny, George Harrison in, in The Beatles, George from The Beatles, often said to me, how do you do that? Because his stuff's sort of biographical. Mm. He'll, he'll be feeling a certain way. And here comes the sun. And he's he's talking about his life. And here comes the sun. It's better. The ice has melted. And But he said, how do you do this? Like make up these people. Um, and I think a bit of it might have come from uh, when I was at school, I had one great teacher when I was, uh, I went to a thing called a grammar school in Liverpool. Um, and you got a really good education for free. It was a state school. And I had this one guy who was um, English literature teacher, and he turned me on. Mm. He he just showed me some things. He showed me actually the dirty bits in Chaucer. <laughs> and for a sixteen-year-old boy, that, I said, wow, that'll get you interested in literature. I'm loving this. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Are "You sure I'm supposed to be reading this?" So it's not in the curriculum, but with him as my teacher, I did okay. I mean, it's the only exam I kind of did well in. Um, but I did love learning about Shakespeare, learning about Thomas Hardy, uh, looking at poetry. Uh, and so I think, you know, during that little period of a couple of years at school, a lot was going into the database, hmm. you know, of these great writers. And because I'm taking exams, I've got to analyze it, and he's helping me understand what it means. Hmm. So, and I'm getting the cadences of mm. these great writers mm. too. So, I think it's just a theory that when I left school and then started getting into music, I think that kind of stayed with me. And I thought, uh, you know, I, I, I just naturally produced these words and rhythms that were better. Uh, than what I'd done before. When we first started off, it was just, thank you, girl. Mm. It was really a message to the fans with the Beatles, you know, because we were starting to get known. So it was like uh, it, everything had a, a definitive pronoun in it. So it was like, love me do. <laughs> she loves you. <laughs> I want to hold your hand <laughs> from me to you. Thank you, girl. So <laughs> we were really just trying to relate directly, you know. And that was great. It was a lovely period. But then we kind of grew out of that. And Well, you were, when you were talking about um, George asking you, how do you get into character? Yeah. It interested me a lot, and I wanted to hear more about that mm. because... Art is often described as self-expression, whereas you seem to be able to not simply express what you're going through, but see into the lives of other people. Well, I think, as I say, this literature love. So I'd be reading something like by Charles Dickens, uh -huh. and I'd be thinking, well, he's not Little Dorrit. Yeah. You know, this is not his life. He's making this up. And then I know his father went to prison, so when he writes about prisons, there's there's a, a 
a sort of family uh, link. But that kind of thing where a, a novelist will write about Tess of the Turbervilles, but he's male, um, mm. always interested me that they can just conjure up people. And I always liked that. That was something I really liked to just imagine a person, another person. What are they doing? Um, what's their relationship? So I liked that storytelling aspect. Uh, so that crept into quite a few of my songs. But I think it is just because um, realizing that great writers that I admired weren't just writing their own life story. They were making up a sea voyage or they were making up, uh, you know, Denmark and castles. I'm sure, I'm not sure he ever went to Denmark. <laughs> right. You know, right. but, but he could imagine it. Um, funnily enough, the school I was telling you about is called the Liverpool Institute High School for Boys, where I went. It was a thousand boys. Oh, what, so, what did you do for female companionship? Uh, you you lusted after the next door school, which was which had like about a seven foot wall around it, like colditz, mm. and you just imagined them. <laughs> you never hardly ever saw them, but that was Blackburn House, and there was a thousand girls in they there. They didn't hang out the windows or anything for you. No. Oh, no. good. For they, how, how many they, years did that go on? Oh God, I don't know. Till I left school. Well, that's where I Want to Hold Your Hand came from. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what about other songs where they came from? What about Let It Be? That was that was connected to a dream too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I lost my mom when I was 14. And uh, she was a great lady. She was a nurse and a midwife. And uh, How did she die? Cancer, breast oh. cancer. So... Um, and in those days, nobody told you. They didn't tell you what the cause of no, death was? No, you just knew she was in hospital. Yeah. And we went to visit her, me and my brother, younger brother, one day. And I remember clearly just seeing some blood on the sheets and thinking, oh, God, what's that? You know. Well, nobody said anything. And then just uh, we then were sent to live with an uncle and aunt. Um. And uh, the auntie came in just one morning, said, oh, boys, you know, I've got something terrible to tell you. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, she, and she died. So uh, at 14, that was quite a big shock. And so there was now just me, my younger brother, Michael, and my dad living in the house with no woman to do all the womanly things. So we just had to get on. We just had to sort it out. Um, and years later, at the time of Let It Be, uh, I was now getting into probably too many stimulants, getting a bit crazy with this and that, boozing a bit too much and uh, this and that. And uh, I went to sleep and she came to me in the dream. She came to me and because she was such a great woman who I admired so much and she gave me such a feeling of peace, it was like, oh. Wow. And in a dream, you're really there. Yeah. You don't ever think, oh, well, sometimes I do, but hardly ever think, oh, I'm dreaming. Wait a minute. You know, if you're jumping off a cliff, you might think, this is okay. I know it, it works out. <laughs> I but, hope it stays a dream until the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, she, she came to me and she seemed to be able to see the state I was in. 
And she said, don't worry, son, it'll be all right. Just let it be. And I remember feeling so comforted with that and so emotional. I just thought, oh, great. It's a real mother-son thing. You know, she yeah. actually comforted me. Uh, so I woke up and I thought, what was that she said? Let it be. Oh, that's kind of in. That's good. That's, that's a nice phrase. So I sat down at the piano, said, not my piano, <laughs> and wrote, uh, let it be. Actually, I tell you the crazy thing, this morning, or last night rather, I, I met her again. Did she give you a song last night or was she taking a day no. off? <laughs> no, I was taking a night off last night. <laughs> no, it was, it was something else last night. Paul and I are taking another short break. And when we come back, Paul talks about what it's like to be Sir Paul McCartney, about his book, Hey Grand Dude, inspired by one of his eight grandchildren, and about the new musical he's working on based on the Jimmy Stewart movie, It's a Wonderful Life, when we come back. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. This is Clear and Vivid. And now back to my conversation with Paul McCartney and how his dreams continue to inspire him. Later, uh, after the Beatles, uh, I did sometimes think, wow, that was a great dream. I should write it down. Mm. And so first thing, I'd just grab a, a notebook or something, just go and write it down, thinking this is going to be one page, two minutes. But no, it's like... I suddenly remember more and more detail. Yes, yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, and then that happened. And I'm sort of sitting there for half an hour, you know, five quite detailed pages about this. <laughs> so I've, I've still got them, you know. Um, just I did that during a period. And it's nice to look back on them because they are quite fantastic stories, fantastical, you know. It's like, wow, wow, how did I ever think that? That's great. Um, yeah, no, I, I like dreams. I dream a lot. I think everyone dreams a lot. I think, I think they, so. I, I mean, don't think they just remember it, it. As you just said, the more you write down what you remember, mm. the more you remember. Mm. So we probably don't pay much attention mm. to what will help us remember the dream. Mm. Yeah, I've said to people, you know, my, my, my wife, Nancy, I said, did you, did you have a dream last night? She said, no, don't think so. And then a little later, she'll say, uh, oh, wait a minute, there was a little something. Yeah. And I think it's just that she doesn't bother trying to remember them. Yeah. She's a doer. She's on with her day. <laughs> you know, unlike me, I'm a romantic. I, I want to see the, the uh, magic in everything. Um, so, but I think she does dream. Uh, I think probably everyone dreams. Mm. That to me is where... In, in dreams and what we were talking about before where things are working themselves out at an unconscious level. Mm. 
I get the impression most of our life is lived unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And, and when it comes to consciousness, it's needed times. Yeah, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. You know, that kind of thing I, is really true. Uh, I have to believe in a form of magic just with the yesterday story. Yeah. Nobody else got that. <laughs> right. Nobody else got a song just arrived that 3,000 people recorded. You know, so that I've, I've, I've got a bit of luck going with that kind of thing. And yeah, I do believe that uh, there's much more to this than we know. And interestingly enough, in science, the cutting edge of science is finding that out. Yeah. You know, that it's... It's much more... Yeah, I think uh, 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 scientists with MRI machines are discovering elements of Freud's unconscious mm. that he posited without the, uh, without the aid of those machines. Mm. But they're finding out how the, the unconscious is made up of many parts. I mean, the, the idea that you said so many things occur to you during a performance. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a miraculous thing, your body. And your mind is perhaps the most miraculous bit. Um, it's just, you know, like you say, what, what it can do, what it can remember, what it can think, what it can imagine. I mean, I, I love to observe. So I'm a, I'm a great, I just love to just look at things. Mm. So you won't find me often with my head in a screen. Mm. You know, I'm not really a great, Twitter or, <laughs> right. or um, I just it doesn't interest me that much. I'll I'll do it if I have to communicate with someone, but normally I just rather look out the window. I mean, I came through Times Square on the way here, and I'm English, so I'm a tourist, mm. and I'm looking at these. Wow! Isn't it like being Times Square with all of those screens and yeah. lights flashing at you? Yeah. It's, to me, it's like driving through the inside of a pinball machine. <laughs> yeah. It's quite amazing, you know, and it's the te- as the technology goes on, screens get bigger. It's uh, I like it. I, I like it. I marvel at it. Yeah, marvel at mankind can do that. Some of these buildings, you know, they say you know New Yorkers don't really look up at the buildings anymore. But I'm looking <laughs> up. I go, wow, top of that building's in the clouds. That's great. I like that. That's, yeah, I love me. that the most expensive apartments <laughs> are in the clouds. You can't see a damn thing. <laughs> we said that on the way here. <laughs> yeah. I said, you just bought a 50 million pound uh, dollar apartment. Right. You look out, there's nothing. <laughs> you see, just Where's white. the view? You could, you uh. could get in on a much lower floor. I really learned something good here. It interests me a lot. Your relationship with the rest of the people in the world. You you write with this connection to the person going to listen. Mm. Yeah. And and you have had an effect on people that's enormous. I mean, the, yes. the effect of the Beatles on the Velvet Revolution in Eastern Europe uh. is extraordinary. I don't know any other uh. any other example like that. It it is it's uh, it's a great thing you know when we were told that our records were smuggled behind the Iron Curtain, you know along with Blue Jeans and Stevie Wonder. Yeah, um, it was like oh great wow people are like we think they are. Yeah. My I, my dad again you know in, in when I was a kid, 
I, you'd read about wars going on everywhere, and I knew there'd just been World War II. Um, and I said, Dad, you know, do people want peace? Mm. And he said, yeah, people want peace everywhere. So, but it's the politicians who screw it up. It's the leaders who screw it up. Um, so I've always had a lot of faith in people being like me. And I've always been very keen to not elevate myself too far above it. Even though, you know, when the Queen knights you, mm. that's a little bit difficult because you suddenly Sir Paul. But it's like, keep your feet on the ground, boy. Um, <laughs> do so do I, a I, lot yeah. of people call you Sir Paul? No, not really. I not really. I say to people, don't you know, just call me Paul. Right. But uh, some people do, and it's you know, it's fun. Well, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a, nice. a mark of gratitude and affection. Yeah, and you've you've contributed so much not only to uh, Great Britain but to the rest of the world. Well, thanks. I see it as a school prize. Uh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you did okay that year, so you, you get. You get the art, the art prize or something, you know. So in that way, I, I really appreciate it. But, yeah, people being the same um, interests me. Uh, people I'm from in Liverpool, some of the smartest people I ever met. Mm. And I've met big international yeah, leaders. Yeah, yeah. But some of these people in Liverpool just had a, a wisdom that was very... Uh, Impressive. I often think along those lines when I hear about people in underdeveloped countries where there may be thousands or millions of mute, inglorious Miltons, mm -hmm. like in the Elegy in the Churchyard, mm -hmm. where if only given a chance mm -hmm. at a keyboard or at a little bit more education— mm -hmm would solve problems that are intractable otherwise. The, 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 the intelligence of yeah. ordinary people is I think you're right. I think that's the importance of education. Yeah. And that's why it's good to give kids a chance. And young women in some of these countries are just, you know, stood upon. Right. And the last to get educated. Yeah. And when they are educated, the economy improves. It makes sense. Sure. You know, uh, I love that. I love smartness. I love, and it comes from anywhere. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go to Eton uh, mm. for it. You know, you don't have to go to a small college. You can just, you just have savvy. And I like that. Common sense, mm. I think, is uh, is a great thing. Uh, I'm, re I'm really fascinated with your book that your grandchild inspired. Oh. Oh. Hey, grand dude. Yeah. Tell me a little about that. Um, I've got eight grandchildren, and they're all gorgeous. Um, and one day, one of them just said, hey, grand dude. And I, it just kind of shocked me. I went, oh, because they normally call me granddad. It's yeah. a sort of British granddad. Yeah. yeah. Grand dude. I thought, that's, that's clever, you know. So... I then thought, oh, it'd be good to have a character, Grand Dude. He could be quite magical, you know, and he could have a few kids. I won't have him have eight because that's too like me. So this is going to get too autobiographical. So I just thought he, he'll have a few kids. Just So I just started writing little stories of 
where he might go and and made up a few little things about his character. See, again, characters, I like imagining characters. Um, So I did that, and then uh, a publishing firm kind of got wind of it and said, well, we'd love to do this, you know. And they sent a great presentation, which is always a great thing when people are lively enough to send you something that inspires you. So they sent me a big suitcase with stuff in it. And there were postcards, which I hadn't put in my stories yet. But believe me, I nicked it from that minute. I'd write, <laughs> we've got postcards. Um, so I, I just took the thing. And then we had a magic compass that he rubs. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. And I worked very closely with them because I thought, I'm not going to say, I am the great writer. You must not touch a word of my prose. (laughs) But that's what makes you a good collaborator. Well, yeah. um, I like to be told how to do it. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So they they published millions of books, and they said, well, this would be good, this would be good. And I was not looking to do anything weighty. I was looking to do something quite small because I thought I don't want to go up against Roald Dahl and, you know, in England, David Walliams. We've got a few really good uh, kids' book writers. I don't, I don't want to try and be in a, a contest with them. So I was happy that mine was just 32 pages. Um, and the main thing that made me happy, that I, the inspiration, in a way, was that people would read it to their kids, uh-huh. either the parents or the granddude yeah. or the grandmother. And they would read. And to me, that means bedtime. Right. When the kids are going to bed. So we, we, we put that into the book. The book ends with the four children go to bed. I got a bit sleepy. And I remember that with my own kids. You're just praying they're getting sleepy. <laughs> you know, they've done their teeth. They've washed up. And they're getting sleepy. So, and you're giving night. them a dream. And they, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> who uh, knows what what song they'll come up with in the morning? You uh, you've you've been brave. I admire your bravery, your courage, your f- fortitude in branching out in so many different ways. Mm. Not just what sound to me like traditional rock and roll, but mm. story storytelling songs, mm. ballads. Uh, and now you're working Thanks. on a musical? I am working on a musical, yeah. My next meeting. Whoa. I, I, walk, I get over there to meet the uh, director. And what? How, how far along are you? Quite far. Oh, yeah, this is exciting. Written, What's I the think. story? I forget the story. It's, it's A Wonderful Life. Ah, great. It's the, it's the old James Stewart film. Yeah. And someone rang me up. He said, I've got the rights to a musical. Yeah, I think he'd, he'd been to see Frank Capra. Huh. And he said, Frank, you've got to let me do this. You know, <laughs> he badgered him enough. Yeah. Frank ev- eventually gave in. So he approached me with this idea. And then he said, would you, write, would you meet with the writer that I've got in mind? I said, yeah, okay. You know, it's just meet with someone. I can, I can love him or hate him. But I like the guy. And uh, it was a nice meeting. I got on well with him. It's Lee Hall, who's written a bunch of stuff. Billy Elliot. Mm. And the Pittman Painters, uh, yeah. it was quite a, a successful play he wrote. But he's done a, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, so I met with him, liked him. But then I went away from that meeting. I said, I still don't know what I've got to do. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, well, I mean, 
what, what do you, what's my next move? Yeah. I've met him. I know it's wonderful life. I'll look at the movie. And then what's my next move? So I said to the, uh, the producer, Bill Kenwright, I said, Bill, would you ask Lee if he'll put together the first 20 minutes as he sees it of this stage musical? And then you'll figure out what should be musical. And then, well, I'll get the idea of what it is. I only need the first 20 minutes. So he starts, he sent me it. He did it anyway, kindly. And so I've got the script and I'm, I think I was on an airplane and I start reading it. I'm going, oh, I can see this. Oh, great. I, I love this. Yeah. Wow. That's the intro. Yeah. And then he put in a dummy lyric, speaking of <laughs> dummy lyrics. And he had a little disclaimer, you know, I put in some dummy lyrics, you know, but feel free to change them. So I liked it and then just left it and thought, you know what, I'm, I think I'm getting intrigued by this. And then one day I was on holiday in the summer and I had a piano and I just had the script and those dummy lyrics. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to throw something at this just for a laugh. If it's terrible, no one will know, only me. So I did, I threw something and I recorded it on my phone and I thought, it's not bad, it's not bad. And the lyrics actually weren't that dummy. <laughs> I kind of liked where he was going with it, you know. So uh, so he did it. I sent it to them. They said, oh, you know, you've nailed it. The hardest number in a musical is the opening number. And this is it. We can see it and everything. So I was very encouraged and um, started writing some more. Just So so now I've got 22 22 songs. songs. It's probably too many. <clears throat> Sounds like it, but but the, the the cream of the crop will be great, and the rest of them can be your next album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The crap. I call the, crap, the album. The, the crap, crap album. The crap album. <laughs> Look, That's, I don't want to make you late for your meeting right. with the director, okay. but okay. we always end the show with seven quick questions. Oh, seven okay. quick answers. They're not embarrassing, they're, okay. but, but they're interesting. Good. What do you wish you really understood? Life. How do you tell someone they have their facts wrong? Carefully. <laughs> What's the strangest question anyone's ever asked you? What questions nobody ever asked you? What, what? They've asked me that a lot of times. They and may. I say, even that question someone's asked me. Strangest question anyone's ever asked me? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, I know. There's no, when I was thinking about talking with you today, and I thought there's no, no question I can ask yeah. you that you haven't been asked before. There have been quite a few, yeah. Yeah. And people say, you know, what's the only question you've never been asked? And I say, I've even been asked that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have too many times. Yeah. But what, you can't remember a strange one. Okay. Not really. How do you like to start up a conversation at a dinner table when you're sitting next to someone you've never met before? A real conversation. Let me tell you about the Beatles. <laughs> so does that... That always, that always gets them. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you start up a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. no, I mean, you know, in truth, it's just like everyone, you know, you just sort of say, what are you up to? What's going on? Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? And then, and then it gets as And then it gets it into the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inevitably, I bet. Mm. What gives you confidence? Um, thinking that what I've done is good. 
So if I've written a song and I think it's a good one, I come off the back of that and the rest of my day is fine and I'm confident. What book changed your life? Um, Nicholas Nickleby. Why? Well, because I like Charles Dickens and um, it's about education and it's about oppression and and it's it's about that time and that world that they all lived in. Um, And I think Dickens was very good at that as a sort of social writer. So that book had a big effect on me. Well, I can't thank you enough. I have had such a good time talking with you, Paul. Great. Me too. Well, that's good. I'm glad. We are in the Me Too generation. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) This has been clear and vivid. At least I hope so. My thanks to the sponsors of this episode. All the income from the ads you hear go to the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. Just by listening to this podcast, you're contributing to the better communication of science. So thank you. Paul McCartney is fresh off a U.S. tour, and he recently released two never-before-heard tracks, Home Tonight and In a Hurry. They're both out now digitally, and they're available at paulmccartney.com. And don't forget to check out Paul's New York Times best-selling book, Hey Grand Dude. And if that's not enough, Paul's new musical adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life is set to launch later this year. So keep checking his website, paulmccartney.com, for details. And follow him on Twitter and Facebook, at Paul McCartney. This episode was edited and produced by our executive producer, Graham Chedd, with help from our executive producer, Sarah Chase, and our associate producer, Gene Chimay. Our sound engineer is Dan DeZula, our tech guru is Allison Costin, and our publicist is Sarah Hill. You can subscribe to our podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For more details about Clear and Vivid and to sign up for my newsletter, please visit alanalda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clear and Vivid, and I'm on Twitter at Alan Alda. Thanks for listening. We've started something new on Clear and Vivid. It's called Patreon, and it allows you to directly support us and engage with us in a much closer way. If you visit patreon.com slash clearandvivid, here's what you'll find. For as little as $2 a month, listeners of Clear and Vivid can get exclusive behind-the-scenes access. You can find video, extra content, bonus episodes, and all sorts of fun stuff, including behind-the-scenes pictures. And for those of you who have seven questions of your own for Mr. Alan Alda, you might find some answers there, too. Now, you don't have to subscribe for as little as $2 a month to keep listening to the show. You can continue to listen to the show and support us by hearing the ads. But you can get all this extra material if you do decide to become a subscriber. And most importantly, your patronage directly funds our work at the Alda Center for Communicating Science. Give Patreon a try. That's patreon.com slash clearandvivid. C-L-E-A-R-A-N-D-V-I-V-I-D.
Next in our series of conversations, I talk with Bill Nye, who is, of course, Bill Nye the Science Guy. People my age who have kids are going to have grandkids, and the grandkids are going to say, you mean you let humans drive cars? You let people drive cars? What, were you crazy? Were there re- Yes, there were wrecks every day. Wasn't it inefficient? Oh, it was so inefficient. Well, how many people were in most cars? One. You had that huge car with one person in it? Yeah. Wow, that's weird. I saw that in a movie. I thought it wasn't real. No, that was how we used to... No, everything will change. Bill Nye peers into the future with us next time on Clear and Vivid.